Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I am your host, Brian Sin, joined by co-host from Chelsea, Alabama, 6'4", 220 pounds of solid steel, performance athlete, professional bass fisherman, Stephen Wisdom. Man, if I could have got to 6'4", I'd be in the NFL right now. I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Y'all can yeah, believe yeah. it or not. I don't care. It's my story. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. And, dude, I ain't been 220 since I was like no, no. a sophomore in high school. I I'm mean, just trying to give these a vision. Yeah. These people a vision. Of, yeah. You're good looking, good looking guy right here. All the vision, uh, all the vision you need to know for me is that um, I have the greatest dad bod in the history of the planet. So uh, I take pride in my dad bod. You know, I always say, you know, I got three kids. I'm foster parents. So any time, any other time, I might have four, five, six kids. Who knows? Depends on what mood my wife's in. But I always used to joke. I mean. If I had a six-pack abs all just jacked out, I'd have no street cred as a dad. No street cred, period. No. Like, you walk up to the ballpark, your wife's with you, smoking hot, got kids everywhere, and you're jacked up, and people are like, oh, he must be the remarry. Oh, those, yeah. Those can't be his kids. Those can't be his kids. I take pride in my dad bod because I got kids everywhere and they wear my. It's funny you mentioned dad bod because my wife told me the other night she got a great dad bod. Now, I did not know how to take that. <laughs> I was a little offended, <laughs> but I wasn't sure whether I should uh, be. So I like yeah. Google dad bod. Started looking yeah. at like images. I'm like, okay, that's me. Yeah, I get it. Well, see, that's you, what stage of life I'm in? That's right. But you're you're in an advanced stage of dad bod. So here's my theory: as yeah. you work your way towards kids with who get older teenagers adolescents who don't consume every moment of your day you find yourself getting back in the gym getting yourself getting yourself back in shape, right right, getting, right. See, not me see i'm in i'm in the little, you're not even I, doing push i'm in the little kid stage no no yeah. i'm not even like yeah uh-huh. the only setups i do is when i get out of bed every day right and get back in the bed at night you know but but you know at the, at 50 like my stage, you got to be careful because you don't want to overdo the gym mm-hmm. because we've all seen that guy. Yeah. We've seen that well, guy. Well, then you're a walking injury too, man. You're a walking injury, <laughs> and you look at this guy, and you go, well, this guy's juicing. He's just, I mean, he doesn't have a life. All he does is stay at the gym, so you got to be careful. That's, but uh, That's funny. Anyway, that's man, funny. I don't know how we got off on that subject, I, but it was I, a lot of fun. I don't either. And, I don't either. Um, Man, I am in the midst of a, a little bit of a crisis at the house. If we got any sheetrock professionals that listen to us, uh, please call me, 601-383-2344. Don't mind giving you my number because I need help. Yeah, I had a water leak in the top uh, and, and upstairs that ran into the kitchen, through the kitchen, into the basement. Actually, it wasn't really a water leak. It was a toilet that was overflowing from the 12-year-old yeah. that walked out and got on his Xbox and sat there for like two hours and never turned five feet around and see the water behind him. Oh. So he no longer has an Xbox. But, oh, wow. Um, so I'm trying to repair that. So it's been a fun morning. So. I'm cringing right now. I am literally cringing. Yeah. Wow. It's my life, man. It's what I do. <sighs> anyway. What about... Just putting it all behind us. Yeah, that's all we can all do. Behind us and let's Move forward. Talk about some fishing. Let's talk about fishing. Let's talk. About- well, yeah, Stephen. Let's let's talk about fishing. That's enough yeah, about well. sheetrock and my life and dad bods. Dad bods. Yeah, that's a great conversation. Uh, 
Who but, we got on? Who we got? Man, on the let's show go today. to segment one. Let's go to the Mobile Delta. We haven't been down there in a minute. Let's go down there and talk to Captain Wayne Miller. Captain Wayne, how are you, buddy? Man, doing great. How are you guys? We are hanging in there. Uh, if if you would have heard the, the earlier part of the podcast, you, you know that it's been a little bit of struggle this morning, but uh, it's going to be all right, man. We're getting there. How's things in Mobile? I know they're better than they could have been if uh, a particular hurricane would have taken a little bit more of a easterly track. So thankfully for you guys that, that you're you're avoiding this one, it looks like. Yeah, you know, we really are. We're blessed, you know, and I, my, my thoughts and prayers are, are with the people over in Louisiana and Texas because, you know, from all indications, it looks like they're really going to take a, a, a pretty severe hit. So uh, here in Mobile, I mean, we're we're fortunate. and We're getting some wind off of it. You know, we're, we're seeing some pretty exceptionally high tides, but, uh, you know, really just minimal impact on us and the fishery. So, it's kind of been a, a real uh, unusual year from the standpoint of the fishing here on the Delta because, uh, you know, here we are, we're getting close to the end of August, but we're already kind of transitioning into a fall pattern here on the fishing uh, because we're, we've got a big migration of white shrimp uh, already up in the Delta as far up as I-65. So, wow. uh, you know, that's, yeah, it's pretty significant. I mean, I've uh, over the last you know couple of weeks, uh, I've been catching a lot of um, you know redfish and even jack creval uh, in the Mobile and Tensaw River, you know way up you know above Gravine Island and Twelve Mile Island. So uh, you know, and there's significant numbers of them. I mean, it's 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 uh, pretty amazing that we're seeing this this early in the year, and uh, you know the but the great thing about that shrimp migration, when we see these shrimp come up, of course, it does bring in a lot of different saltwater species with it, but really just lights up the entire uh, ecosystem. I mean, everything from brim to, to sharks, you know, and uh, everything you can think of eat shrimp. So, uh, you know, when, when this happens every year, I mean, these fish really get turned on. So uh, from the standpoint of the the overall fishing, irregardless of the species you're looking at, you know, it's really kind of triggered into a, a pretty good pattern to be in the still the dog days of summer. Right. And that's usually something you said that occurs later on in the uh, little, little more into the fall, right? Typically, we usually consider it a month from now, you know, toward the end of September is, is typically when, you know, we start seeing these shrimp really move up. And uh, it was funny because some of the some of the real uh, prominent inshore guides, people like Bobby Averscato, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Bobby was talking about, you know, he was seeing a pretty good migration of, you know, shrimp in the lower end of the bay, you know, moving up toward the north end. So, um, you know, we just, we really saw this, you know, coming on a couple of weeks ago and it's, you know, it's really uh, starting to take place now. And, uh, you know, like I say, it's just a, a real good trigger for uh, some some pretty uh, phenomenal fishing. You know, the only thing that could really, you know, hurt that uh, would be, you know, if we had one of these major storms come in uh, where we just get tremendous you know, volumes of 
you know, water up the Delta system on the rivers and, and really flush, you know, all that salt water back, you know, toward the Bay and the Gulf of Mexico. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the one thing that we all know, uh, Captain Wayne, it's 2020 and nothing's, nothing's normal and nothing's the same. So shrimp moving up a month early, hey, that's, just, that's just part of 2020, right? I, I tell you, man, it has really been a crazy year. So uh, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but uh, now that you say it, yeah, it's, uh, it, it really doesn't come as a surprise. So, uh, but, but, you know, it, it really has like I say, if we can avoid any of these major, you know, hurricanes, you know, it, it'll be, looks like, you know, we're going to transition into a really good fall here on the Delta for, for not only the bass, but redfish, speckled trout. So looking forward to that. So Captain Wayne, tell us, so everything's changing sooner than later. So tell us, how do you transition? What does it look like for you in this time of year? And you know, normally, like you say, it's going to be a month later, but how do you transition with it? What what does it look like for you? Well, you know, typically what I would be doing this time of year, and, and even though I don't do a lot of guide trips, typically in, in the dog days of summer, it's the heat's just so oppressive. For myself personally, you know, even, you know, my fishing, you know, local tournaments and just going out fishing, you know, I primarily... Um, spend the majority of my time this time of year in the middle delta and up the river systems uh, because i'm kind of waiting on that fall bite and that transition that we just got through talking about to happen so you know i'm typically uh you know fishing typical summer patterns you know deep diving crankbaits you know uh plastic out on you know ledges on the main rivers but this is all on most average years, I'm up in the middle, the upper delta, uh, you know, and now with, with the, um, with the onset of this, you know, shrimp migration, it's really pulled both me and a lot of other anglers back down toward the southern end of the delta because, you know, it's just everything just really cranks up. So I kind of transition away from those deep water typical summer patterns to um, fish in a lot shallower water and uh, primarily basing everything off uh, on the lower end of the delta here off shrimp and crabs. Um, you know, one thing, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with them, you know, one, one bait that's real popular down here is called a snagless sally. And uh, one of the most popular colors is a, a bruiser. And it's a black and blue and most people use a white twin tail trailer with it. And it's an inline spinnerbait that basically just looks like a big old blue crab coming through the water. And, uh, man, it's just, uh, I went out, uh, yesterday on the Mobile River and just, I mean, I had bass, redfish, you know, just really crunching that spinnerbait. So, you know, it's hard to make yourself go up there and slow down and fish deep when you can come down here and throw spinner baits on uh, relatively shallow flats and catch fish like you can. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a whole lot funner way to fish. And man, I remember <laughs> when I was living down in South Alabama using that snaggless sally, and I bet I have not had one of those tied on in 20 years since I've moved away from there. <laughs> 
but for some reason down there, that is a bait that people love in South Alabama. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, it, you know, it's amazing though, you know, to talk about it because over the years, even places like Gunnersville, I've had fantastic success with that same spinnerbait. And I don't know when you go up there, if it's more a, a situation where uh, obviously it's not mimicking a crab on that fishery, but, you know, an inline spinnerbait is something those fish up there just don't see that often. I was fixing to say, so, they, it's probably something they don't see all the time. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, but it down here, it's really, a, you know, just a fantastic bait. And uh, we use that. We use a lot of um, shallow running crankbaits, uh, primarily like the Bandits and the 100 series. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything in a crawfish, you know or even a lot of uh, blue colors uh, that mimic both crawfish and those little crabs uh, works really well down here. That's from the standpoint of the question you asked me about, you know, what difference does that make? For me, it's really transitioned me completely away from those deep water summer patterns. And uh, and I would much rather, uh, you know, be down here on the lower end of the delta uh, oh yeah you know, this time of year which you know Stephen, even last week in our in our calls uh we had guys from from different like you know from from gunnersville from different lakes around the state that were saying they were already going to the frog bite and fishing shallow again and that's usually something they do a couple weeks from now so you know i don't know what the difference is but uh captain wayne but it seems like that, that things are happening sooner it's just, it's just like yeah. say, it's 2020, man. Everything's crazy, and yeah, it, it does seem like everything is ahead of schedule. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it uh, and a lot of years, you know, I, I have uh, in in September, I've attributed that shrimp migration, you know, because uh, everybody thinks you know they've got it figured out, myself included. But a lot of times, I've always contributed to the fact that you know we'll get a little cooler weather in september sometimes and and i would say well you know a little bit of drop in water temperature is really you know you know initiated this and you know right now the water temperature is 89 90 degrees so it ain't <laughs> a whole lot of drop. blows my theory out of the water that's crazy it's crazy well it sounds like the good news is it sounds like you're on on fish and that you're you're catching catching some numbers again and kind of getting out of that summertime pattern so that's a that's a good thing yeah it really is and you know what what we see down here and one of the things that makes us such a unique fishery is you know we've definitely had a at a point now to where if you if you go out on the lower delta anywhere from 65 south all the way down to the causeway uh now uh you're pretty much if you spend four to six, eight hours on the water, you're pretty much assured of catching a mixed bag. I mean, you're going to catch some redfish, you're going to catch some other species, and, uh, you know, maybe for the bass purists, that, uh, that's not a, a good thing, but for for people that just love to fish, man, it is fantastic. Fine. I really enjoy doing that. Well, good stuff. Well, you know, I know that there's a you know, we talked about the hurricane coming, and, and, and I've got a – one of my best friends lives in Lake Charles, Louisiana. I talked with him yesterday afternoon, talked with him again this morning. I'm sure I'll call him back again this afternoon. But he's a big bass fisherman, 
and it looks like they're going to be on the wrong side of the storm that comes in this time, and they're expecting storm mm-hmm. surge to come in that marsh. You know, they're expecting 30 miles, the storm surge Man. to come in 30 miles deep there. And he was telling yeah. me this morning, he said, Brian, that will that will absolutely destroy the bass fishing in the marsh for the next several years with the vegetation that it kills, with just moving the fish. Right. And, and do you see the same thing in Mobile area when you, when you do have a storm come in? Does it take a while to recover from that? Yeah, it, it really, you know, um, even though it's a brackish fishery, and we have these saltwater fish, you know, that we see and catch in here. When you have one of those storms with that tight storm surge, what happens is that real inundation of true salt water absolutely decimates the aquatic vegetation up in these lakes and in the marshes and the creeks. And man, when that goes, it's like somebody hit a switch and the bass are gone. I mean, it is, it's really detrimental from the standpoint of the, the fishery from a bass standpoint. And it takes, you know, we've seen it on cycles here where it's taken, you know, eight to 10, 12 years for that vegetation to come back and really get established. So, you know, I, I really feel for them over there because it, it really can be devastating for the bass fishermen. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hopefully it stays, uh, stays West for, for Alabama's sake, but not to wish any ill will, but we've had our fair share. <laughs> um, yeah. you no, know, our fisheries are, are, are doing well and maybe, maybe it'll dissipate and, and just blow on through, but, but we, but we hope for the best on that. So, well, uh, Captain Wayne, are you are you back to to taking guide trips, or is that still a little bit early? Or you know, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still doing some. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty limited right now, and that's you know, but that's you know not uncommon just because, like I say, most of the time it really gets slow, you know, during especially August. But um, things really start picking up in September and October and November just get absolutely crazy. But, um, but yeah, we're doing some trips now and, uh, you know, having, having some good trips. It's, you know, tried to get on with y'all last week. And uh, the challenge with afternoons, full day trips right now is just trying to avoid some of these thunderstorms. And uh, because down here, uh, you know, along the coast, I mean, you guys know what we face down here. I mean, when you're, when you're adjacent to the Gulf of Mexico and Mobile Bay, it's not a matter of whether or not you're going to have thunderstorms every day. Once that heat builds up by about 1 o'clock, it's coming. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when and the severity. So, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to, to put in full-day trips. Uh, but, you know, you just have to kind of be careful and uh one thing that, you know, fishermen nowadays are really, we're, we're all blessed with, you know, the technology, um, you know, everybody's got a, a phone, you know, we got access to, to good radar information and, and, you know, you, you got an opportunity, you can typically get, get out of the way before the really bad stuff gets on top of you. That's right. That's right. Well, if somebody's going to go down there, we'd, you know, give us, first of all, give us, uh, give us your tip of the day if somebody's coming to fish in, in the Delta. And then uh, also, 
to follow that up with, uh, tell somebody that wants to go out and, and, and learn and get in the boat with you how they can get in touch with you and book a trip. All right. Well, you know, really, uh, for anybody that would be coming right now, uh, you know, I would strongly suggest, uh, you know, launching and fishing the Delta, say, from uh, around the I-65 corridor south. And uh, the primarily the, the best times, as, as it typically is, is uh, on, in a, out, on an outgoing tide. So, you know, you can look at those published tide charts and uh, get an idea about when that water will be moving good. Right now we're on a good, uh, you know, afternoon tide pattern. But uh, like I say, you know, have your your trolling motor batteries charged up and, man, get out on these main rivers and look for bait. Look for shrimp that's jumping. You know, look for, you know, any kind of schooling fish. And, uh, you know, cover a lot of water with baits that you can fish primarily fast, like spinner baits and those shallow running crankbaits. You know, you can hunker down on stuff when you really start getting bit good if you want to slow down and throw throw a worm. But, but man, if I can catch them on a spinner bait, that's what I'm going to do. So, uh, but, you know, that, that would be my, my number one tip for people right now is just look for that bait uh, out on the main rivers. Uh, if anybody comes down and wants to get a, a trip booked, uh, they can reach me at 251-455-7404. Uh, need to get you guys to quit working a little bit and come down here and go fishing with me. Man, Captain Wayne, I'd love to. We we talk about that all the time. You know, we do this podcast every week, and uh, and, and every week we look at each other and go, man, we need to go fishing. And, and look up, and it's next Wednesday, and we're back in here recording again and still hadn't been, so... But we do appreciate the invite. Oh, yeah, man. Well, I'm ready when y'all get ready to go. Man, it sounds Absolutely. great. Well, we're going to take you up on it one day. Or at least I will. I, I don't I don't know what Brian's doing, you know. But uh, I, I like fishing. Oh, yeah. That's right. Well, Captain Wayne, we appreciate it, man, as always. Look forward to, to talking with you again soon. And stay safe out there on the water. And hopefully these, these big storms will stay away from us. So thanks a lot. And, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Well, that was another good man. It's always interesting to hear from the Delta because it's just so different, Stephen, than everywhere else we we have in Alabama. It's really kind of crazy to hear about. You know, if you you don't live in the Delta and you go to the Delta, it's it's kind of challenging. But to hear from a guy who's you know lives there is there every day, and to hear the just I mean, there's a lot of things he says that I would have never I would have never thought about uh, that would would exist in the in bass fishing world and that's so, right uh so yeah it's always fun and what's fun about it what's exciting about it as just a fisherman is that like he said if you go fish three four hours down there right now 65 south where the where the shrimp are coming in it's you're gonna catch large mouth you're gonna catch red fish i mean it's gonna be a mixed bag which is kind of cool because you never know what's on and, the end and of the you line. only got about four hours because the storms because the storms are one coming or the other that's yeah. exactly right well let's move from the south end of the state let's move on up further toward the north part with first time caller brent crow brent how are you man hey i'm doing good how are y'all well, we're doing good man we appreciate you calling in and getting on the show and uh excited about hearing what's going on in smith lake well, Smith Lake, you know, it's one of the best spotted bass lakes in Alabama and, and probably in the southeast. But 
generally speaking, August is not the time to go to Smith Lake. Now, the good news is September's just around the corner, and a lot of times that it changes drastically in September. But for August, it's mostly night fishing on Smith Lake. I, you know, I know you you live on or near Smith, and but I also know you you get around the state pretty pretty well as well. I know you you've fished the Alabama Bass Trail in the past, and 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 probably still do. So you get around, but you kind of call Smith one of your homes, and and a lot of times what we do on the show is talk about what is, but maybe let's talk about what's to come because you just said a statement there that you, a lot of times we'll see a drastic change in September. And so let's hope the listeners understand maybe versus what to do now or what to prepare for, because obviously August around the state can be challenging. Some areas it has been good, actually, because it's it's ahead of schedule, not because August was good, but for some reason it was ahead of schedule. And and Smith's not necessarily that way. Smith is definitely a pretty dominant, awesome springtime lake. But like you like you mentioned, September we can see some drastic changes so let's talk about what's to come what 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 will you be seeing happening and how can a guy begin to prepare and adjust for that on Smith Lake well first of all Smith Lake as you know is way different than any other lake in Alabama I mean really Lake Martin is the only thing close to Smith it's deep and clear and this year, especially more so than any other, the uh, the boat traffic has been unbelievable. And that's one of the problems with Smith Lake in the summertime in June, July, August is boat traffic. I mean, we're not talking about bass boats. It's wake boats, ski boats, jet skis, pontoon boats. I mean, you know, it is ridiculous the, the amount of boats that are out there. And with the, the combination of the boats, the deep, clear water, and, you know, there's not a lot of cover. So it, it's tough to fish Smith in the daytime when it's 99 degrees and, and the water, you know, hasn't been much much rain. The water's gin clear. So the majority of people that fish Smith in the summer do fish at night. And that lasts, you know, basically until September. And over the last few years, you know, of course, the biggest change in Smith Lake has been blueback herring. And, I don't know. I think in the summertime when the water temperatures are in the 90s, you don't see many herring. But as as the water begins to cool down, the herring start coming up, and the, and the fish start coming up with them, or maybe they force them up. But September has generally been when you start seeing some schooling, and the top water bite gets going. I mean, every year is a little bit different. I know, like six or seven years ago in September, is the best is the best month of fishing ever on Smith Lake, and it's, it hadn't really been the same since. But still. It's September. I used to say September the first was like the day they start schooling. It, it was weird. Um, it was almost like a you know you could set your calendar by it, but it, it hasn't. Last couple of years hadn't been as defined as September the first they start biting. But it, sometime in September the top water bite gets going a little bit, and of course there's nothing more fun than catching big spotted bass on top. So must backtrack a little bit because every answer is different here, but. So September 1st, right? And the weather's changing, right. everything, they start schooling. It's amazing. Same thing in the spring. Where do these fish go in August? Like, are they just such in a bad mood? Are they just like, just sitting down there laughing at you? Or what do you think happens in that time of year as they prepare to transition into what we think as fishermen, a pretty amazing time of year? What, what's going on there? Well, I think that... It's Smith, so you have to really divide Smith into 
before bluebacks and after bluebacks. And, and it, you know, the summertime's always been tough at Smith in the daytime, like, like I said, because it was deep and clear. And I think what happens, if you followed anything about Smith the last couple of years, you know, there's been uh, last year's a high-profile drowning case where they had to search through all the standing timber. And, and basically, Smith Lake, the channel, the main channel in Smith Lake is 200 feet deep, and it has 100 feet, 150-foot tall trees. And I think the fish hang out in the tops of those trees. And especially since the bluebacks got in the lake, the bigger fish do uh, more so than, than they ever have. I mean, it's really hard to catch big fish in the summertime. Uh, in the daytime, you can go catch 12 inches, 11 inches. I mean, you can still go get some bites, but you, you very rarely are going to catch a three or four pound in the daytime in July or August. And I think that, you know, the bluebacks stay. It, yeah, the way I'm, I understand it, they stay in the channel, they swim around, they're like constantly in motion and they stay in the main channel 30, 40 feet deep. And I think what has happened is the big the big spots just decided, you know, they don't wait for the bluebacks to swim by, they just follow the bluebacks. This spring was the, was the most amazing thing that I've ever seen at Smith. We, as you know, we had a lot of rain. Basically, we had four different floods in February, March. With a lot of water running in the lake, and you know Smith Lake's got a ton of little creeks and feeder creeks, and the herring at Smith Lake for six weeks were in the backs of all these creeks with the water running in. I mean, you would see them on the banks; they were, I guess, spawning, and the herring would would just be lining the banks of these little creeks, and you know, constantly just I don't know, I guess, like I said, spawning, running into one another. I mean, making a commotion. It wasn't necessarily fish or bass or stripers eating them but they were just there were so many herring in those creeks you could see them and that was the only place you could catch fish on smith lake to win tournaments i'm talking you know and just at smith lake you're going to catch 12 13 pounds but just about anywhere in the spring but to catch the 15 16 17 18 pound strings you had to be around those herring and they were all as far up in the creeks as you could get and down around the dam, where it's, which is normally where the herring always are, there were no fish hardly at all. And they, and they never even returned this year after the spawn, during the spawn. Uh, it was like late June before you could even you even saw any fish where they traditionally are around the dam at Smith Lake. And I think the reason is they just all followed the herring way up those creeks and, it, and then just started trickling back with the when the herring came back down. But... I mean, it was really a, a complete uh, migration from all the big fish. So I really think they just follow the herring. And then, like I said, in the summertime, the herring stay out in the tops of the treetops. And if you find the fish out there, which is, I don't know anybody that really ever has been able to catch them out of the, out of the standing timber. But if you're following the herring, if you find them one day, they're not going to be there the next day. So it's, I think it's just they become nomadic more so in the summertime than any time before, any other time. We've talked a lot the last couple of weeks, it seems like, about the herring mm-hmm. uh, in different lakes and, and, and Smith being one of them and, and Martin and the positive impact that, that it's had on the lake and the health of the fish and the size of the fish. But this this is a new, and, and I love, uh, and that's one thing I love about this, this, this podcast and having different people from different lakes call in. I'm sure that you see a lot of positives with the herring too, just like you were talking about in the spring. It was probably one of the most amazing springs you've had but it's it's also uh this is the first we've kind of heard about the other side of it where yeah it's good for the bass but the bass also follow these suckers out in such deep water that you can't fish for them anymore in the in the summertime so it's kind of neat to hear well i was gonna say smith lake everybody i talked to at clark's hill and and 
those lakes in South Carolina and Georgia that has herring, they all talk about the herring spawning on Main River Clay Point. That's where the herring spawn. You know, I, I've seen, I know you remember at Hartwell seeing different uh, pro tournaments where they caught them right on those points. And at Smith Lake, they do not spawn on Clay Point. And I tell people that from Clark's Hill or Hartwell, and they're like, what? I'm like, I'm telling you. They do not, they don't spawn. They go in the backs of creeks for running water. And they're all like, really? And it's like the only place that has herring that they act like that, which is <laughs> That's funny. It's just it's strange. Well, so September rolls around, the schooling starts. Share your approach, man. How could a guy who has heard about Smith and loves fishing clear water or just, you know, wants to visit it? or just get a leg up, like what's your approach once the schooling starts? How are you going to attack these fish? What I'm looking for is, is open water, you know, not necessarily open water, like where they're in over 200 feet, but I'm looking for points, uh, creek channels, intersections, just anything that, that sticks out into the main lake. It's where the bass are, are usually going to set up their, to, to ambush the herring. I think the one thing also that has happened, and this is just my theory, but a few years ago when the herring really started in the lake, I think the, the bass at Smith Lake have always been point-oriented. There's a lot of long clay points. There's short, stubby rock points. You know, there's, but it's points. There's so many different sloughs and, and creeks and whatever. I mean, Smith Lake is a point-based lake as far as fishing goes. And the fish have always been there. And I think what happened with the herring is the bass were sitting out there. And when the herring would swim by, bass would attack them force them to the top you know and it, it, schooling i mean 2013-14 in the fall was amazing every spring has been amazing but and i think what happened is the fish finally just said you know what we're not going to sit out here we're just going to follow them around and so i mean every year since 2013 it seems like it's gotten a little bit worse with the exception of like a there's a, about a two-week window in the fall where it gets really good but it used to be like three month window so but and I think what's like so what's happened is they decided they were just gonna follow them around all the time. I mean that again, that's just my theory. But I've been out there a lot in in the spring and fall, and and uh, you know I'm not not a scientist, but I feel like I'm I know what I'm talking about a little bit. But anyway, back to to catching them. I'm looking at at long extended points, and you know you're a lot of times I'll have my boat in eighty, a hundred feet, maybe even more than that. You're not trying to catch fish on on the bottom, they're going to be suspended 10 to 15 feet deep over 40 feet, 60 feet, 80 feet. What you know, it, you're you're not they're going to relate sort of to the bottom, but not really. And I think the most important thing, the thing that's helped me more than anything, is a Garmin live scope because when I pull up to a point, I can scan, I can see the fish or not see the fish. It saves you so much time. If I don't see any fish, I don't throw. And generally at Smith, if I'm throwing a topwater bait, I'm, I'm looking at a fish on my live scope before I make a cast. I, I rarely throw blindly anymore. But And then as far as baits go, it, it all, I think it, the most important thing is a walking bait, whether it's a Berkeley cane walker, a jaywalker, a sexy dog. Used to was a super spook and you know clear chrome shad colors, but the thing about Smith, like I said, I I know when I pull up to a point if there's any fish there. And the people that don't have live scope, you have to cast to make sure there's fish there or not. And the like I said, the walking bait it seems to be it's always been the best bait. Sometimes you 
you have to downsize, finesse stuff, little swim baits or flukes or whatever. But, you know, everybody likes to catch them on top, and, and there's nothing like catching them on a walking bait. No, I totally agree. I yeah. Gonna, that's what I was going to ask. You know, you got guys who are on Smith Lake who are diehard walking bait guys. You know, you got some swim bait guys like the Rage Swimmer, and then you got the Spy Bait guys. And But, man, it is it is awesome to catch them on a, a topwater bait, especially in what he's describing because typically those fish are going to be coming a hundred miles an hour. That's what I was yeah. just sitting here thinking yeah. because I was thinking about yeah. the depth that the oh, fish yeah. are at. So you're you're oh, fishing yeah. these walking baits and the fish. How deep are the fish when you're? Well, like he's saying, sometimes they're just suspended ten foot deep, but maybe they're they're in eight, they're in forty foot, but they're they're at twenty feet deep. Either way, it's not like pitching up to a, a bush that the fish is in, and he's got to like go over there and eat it. Like these fish are coming up to get. They got this some speed going time they get there. It can get fun. It can get fun. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, and you know, they don't always have great the greatest aim, or maybe they they turn away at the last minute. But you know, I've had when I guide and I have clients that are not used to throwing topwater baits. The most important thing is do not don't jerk it away from them because even if they miss it the first time there may be another one he may turn around i mean you may yeah. get five bites on the same cast before one gets it and and like i said they're violent explosions a lot yeah. of times and a lot from of times what i've seen go, go from what i've seen with live scope the fish that are 20 feet deep and deeper suspended that seems to be too deep but if i see them at 10 feet i know they're going to at least come and try to bite it i mean that yeah. seems to be the match depth 10 to 15 feet those fish will come up and bite yeah, and it's it's cool to watch. I love having like a kid with me, and they they be missing the bait, but the bait is flying it's out flying of out of the water, right? <laughs> They're yeah. losing their mind, man. Yeah, that's that's good. When when Smith is on, man, it it really has. And Brett, you can attest to this over the last five to seven years, man. Smith has really just come alive. It's a totally new lake, and you know, but it it still has an attitude. Like it still can, it still can be like now shut down on you but but when it's on it is it is fun and even you know Brett, i know you're talking a lot about the spotted bass there because it's a world-renowned spotted bass fishery but in the spring man up in those creeks uh there there's some big largemouth in there too that that show themselves and, and and that's that's pretty interesting because usually when the lake is dominated by spots the the, the largemouth don't really flourish very well and but there's there's a great largemouth population on smith lake as well there is and you know unfortunately with the with the way the lake is with the clear water and all it's hard to just say all right i'm gonna go fish for largemouth there's a few weeks in the in the spring where you can do it but you know once that window passes i mean even in may when it's postponed you, you got a little bit of time and then you know the largemouth just sort of disappear we never have figured out where they go in the summertime i assume they're out there with with everything else and in brush piles and the tops of trees and whatever but there are you know a lot of times in the spring you needed you need at least one or if you catch a five pound largemouth you're going to win a tournament if you've got some decent spots that's that's generally what separates every the winner from the from the rest of the top five is having a big largemouth yeah well you know one of the things that we like to do on the, on the podcast is we're trying to we we want to talk about the fisheries and and stuff that's that's going to be happening in the future and 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 how the the lake's doing and but we we also like to to have some information on there where somebody's coming up there right now. So it sounds like if if somebody's going to come to Smith Lake and interested in going up there fishing, they probably need to do it at night right now. So just real quick while we wrap this up, 
are you still fishing, uh, you know, top water at night? Uh, do you change your, what approach is different? Uh, what are you doing right now to catch fish at night? What can somebody expect? Right now, the best thing is brush piles. And, and uh, I would love to have a top water bite at night. I, that's one thing that I've never been able to, uh, to do. I know, you know, you hear people talk about black jitterbugs and whatever, but most of the time at night, I'm throwing a shaky head or a Colorado spinnerbait. I'm throwing, and, and the fish are in 20, 25 feet in brush piles. A lot of times they're around docks with lights. Uh, and it's, you know, that's, you can have some good nights and catch 20 or 30 fish, but, you know, that's nothing like you could do on a topwater day when they're biting and you catch 60 or 70. But, mm-hmm. but the topwater bite actually gets better as it cools off too. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, the nighttime bite. I mean, I, if I, my favorite time to go at night is in the full moon in like December or January. And sometimes, you know, you, you're not able to do it. It's just so cold. But if you ever get one of those nights where it's like the low is like 50 and, and full moon, December, January, the fish get right on the bank. That's the most fun nighttime bite. But in the summertime, I mean, it's like I said, you're looking at brush piles, 20, 25 feet, shaggy head with a, with like a trick worm or a, uh, Cinco style bait and you know i think there's a little bit of a of a yeah, jig bite but my favorite way to catch them for the spinner bait unfortunately they don't always bite spinner baits but those, the most consistent is smith lake and that's always been the shaky head and probably always will be that's good stuff well you know one more question i've got before before we go is you you talked a lot about the live scope the garmin live scope on here uh, and how you use that i've never been in the boat and seeing that in action but with a live scope i mean you're looking to the side uh if if i'm correct right and i mean you're actually are you looking at like live it's out in front of you though it's out in front of yeah. you yeah i mean whichever well, way you, you whichever way you turn the trolling motor it's it's, it's went with the direction that you look so look, yeah. if i were at the if there was like a long point i'd pull up on on the end of it and look straight at the at the point or look to the side each side and find out i mean if there's fish suspended i'll see them and i can look out at smith lake i, I set it where i can see out a hundred feet and i can I'm literally if there's a group of fish 70 feet away from me and they're 10 feet deep or 15 feet deep i can take my top water throw it 80 feet watch it hit the top and then start walking it and watch the fish come up and eat it on the live scope screen good gracious yeah it's pretty it's pretty amazing <laughs> it really is a especially once you really hone in and understand what you're looking at it's it's pretty cool that's really cool. i mean really it's to the point where like if i didn't have it i would just i don't know that i could fish anymore especially <laughs> Smith. I, I mean because it's it, it saves you so much time. Like, like, you know, I have a milk run of points that I fish and, and stuff. And the fish are not all, I mean, you know, you may catch them for three weeks on this place and then they're gone. Well, when I pull up and look, I don't have to sit there for 10 minutes and cast to see if I get a bite. I can, I can scan around and, and look. And if I don't see any fish, I can go to the next point. And then at the same time, if there's been a place where, generally is a good place and there hadn't been any fish i could pull up and drop the trail motor look and, and if they're there then then i know it immediately and and like you know in a tournament situation the more time you've got throwing your bait you know at a fish near a fish whatever the, the better chances you have and i mean so in tournaments it really helps me i try it's mess if i'm fishing in tournament or really if i'm you know i'm not gonna waste time if i'm not fishing but especially in tournaments 
I won't make a cast unless I'm throwing it on top of a fish. And now they don't always come up and bite it. There's been, it's also frustrating to watch them follow it. They just track it. Like they never rise at all, but they track it all the way back to the boat. And so That's it can cool be frustrating. <laughs> and the other thing that it, that it really, I've learned a lot about fish behavior just from watching when you, you may pull up on a point and there'll be 10 or 15 fish sitting there you throw over. They all try to bite your bait. One of them, you hook one, you, you reel him in the other 10 or 12, follow him and wind up directly under your boat and they stay there and then you you keep you know in the old days you keep throwing you're like well i guess he was the only one there no the rest of them just follow him out to to your boat and you know you have to give them time to go back over there and reset but you generally you have to leave and come back for them for them to everybody wow that's cool stuff man well we greatly appreciate you jumping on we've we've enjoyed it and uh man i hope you'll be a a consistent caller on our on our show um love love hearing from smith lake it's such a different fishery and and a special place and so uh really appreciate you getting on and look forward to talking to you again soon well i appreciate you having me thank you anytime well tell us before you go now if somebody wants to come book a trip with you what's the best way for them to get in touch with you northalabamabass.com is my website um and on my website, it it shows all the lakes that I got at, which is mainly the Tennessee River Lakes and Smith Lake. And as for the fall goes, Smith Lake, the top water at Smith, and then smallmouth at Pickwick are my favorite two uh, things to do in the fall. And that's generally where I'll be all fall is either on Smith or Pickwick. So it's NorthAlabamaBass.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. And uh, you guys go out and, you know, look up, brett and 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 go get a trip with him brett doesn't really know me but i know him and i know how great of a fisherman he is uh just from my time on the alabama bass trail and following him uh he's very knowledgeable so you guys go spend some time on the water with him and and you won't regret it so thanks again for your time man i appreciate it thank you all right buddy take care all right man that's always good to hear from from smith lake like i was saying it's a it's an interesting fishery it's a it's a sleeper it's a sleeper. Yeah, it's uh, it's got it's got great opportunity. It sounds like it may be asleep right now, though. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a, legit, like a lot, like a lot. Uh, yeah, but man, look, I've been itching, I've been itching for some crappie, man. Do we got anybody we can pull on from a crappie standpoint? Funny you mentioned that. We do, man. We got a we got a crappie master on the uh, on the phone right now with Lee Pitts. What's going on, Lee? Hey guys, how's it going today? And we are hanging in there, brother. We are hanging in there, just trying to trying to survive. Trying to slide in the September. That's right, man. Get these dog days behind us where these fish are bite a little bit better. Sounds like things are picking up around the state in a lot of lakes. It's, you know, it's, it's starting to here. The last few days, we've had a, a little breath of fresh air, but, I mean, it gets gone pretty quick once that sun pops up. But it's, it's felt good here the last couple of days. Now, have you been fishing wise? I've been fishing Wash and Neely Henry. Well, tell us about the crappie, man. What what, what are we catching? You know, it's still, like you're saying, man, those dog days of summer, uh, you can get out early and catch a few. They're back out on those river ledges and the creek channels. But, you know, we just need that water temperature to drop on down a little bit to get these fish where they really start relating to that structure. You know, up here on our lakes, man, it gets so hot and they've got so many places to go, they just kind of bust out a little bit. So we need them to start bunching up, you know, and the the shorter days and the cooler water temperature is really going to help that. Right. So, so when you're when you are catching fish and fishing right now, 
are you are you trolling right now? Are you looking at your graph and trying to find some some brush piles? I mean, what's your technique? Yeah, pretty much. Just like you said there at the end, we're we're really using those electronics. You know, that's where I I really key on my hummingbird electronics to find the structure. And and sometimes it's not really the structure that they're in. It's just the uh, they'll find them a good you know a place in that thermocline where they can kind of lay out all these breaks and and just hover around, suspend out there, and just like you said, try to survive. What depth are they? I mean, are the fish really deep still right now? I'm assuming they are. They are. You know, we're looking at anywhere from 14 to 20 foot of water. You know, I know a lot of guys say, hey, that's not deep. But, you know, with us on the Coosa being a typical, you know, shallow uh, waterway system here, that 14, 20 foot is pretty deep for us around here. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, what? so so tell us about how you're, you know, tackling, you know, that, that kind of depth. I mean, you know, I envision a lot of times crappie fishing uh, in – brush piles but but also really just around docks so you know this time of year when they're really bunched up in those those deeper brush piles how, from a crappie standpoint how do you get in there and get them well you know we're, we're using that lighter line you know we're using six to eight pound test uh and it's more a vertical approach we're just kind of setting up there and you're really watching those electronics and this time of year the fish don't want to chase anything they they don't want to get out and have to run something down so um you know when it gets a little cooler on into the fall they'll they'll start getting a little more aggressive but right now you just really got to bump them on the nose with it and just get it down there in their face and shake it and just they, they don't want to have to exert a whole lot of energy to chase anything down so i'm using like a where I can in the current, uh, an eight, sometimes I'll use, uh, you know, two lures with, with uh, you know, two eights on there, double it up, and can cover a little bit more of the water column. I like more, like I'm, I'm using the bobby garden, like the baby sheds, the slab slayers, something with a straight tail that doesn't have to have a lot of movement to it. Uh, you know, like a curly tail, you, you got to get it moving a little bit for it to do what it needs to do with these these straight stinger tails and a little compact baits like that, you can get enough action uh, without having to move that bait a whole lot and move it out of the strike zone. Does it seem to make a difference uh, on these fish that are obviously they're 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 kind of like the bass? They're not they're not aggressive this time of year. I guess is, maybe that's the wrong word, but maybe it's not. But they're not as not as aggressive as they are other times of the year. Does it make a difference going to live bait? It, it does. You know, at times when uh, it, it's like, you know, it's hard to beat the real thing. When, when you drop it down there to them, what we've got now, we've got so much bait on, on the coast of change of lakes. You know, we didn't have a real hard winter last year, didn't have a big die-off. And I think that's why our, our, our bass fishing is tough, our crappie fishing is a little tough this time of year. They've got so much bait down there that they – they can kind of pick and choose when they want to bite. Uh, I can take those soft plastics, though, and kind of manipulate that bait a little bit more and get more of a kind of like you were uh, – and I do use small spoons, too, like you were jigging a spoon up and down. You know, pretty soon it jumps up in front of his face and falls back down. I don't even, he's going to bite it. So when will you start to kind of see that, that transition happen? And, 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 and our crappie, a lot like bass in the fall, that they've, they've been hanging out deep, but they're going to – transition back up into maybe some shallower water uh to feed or are they are they going to hang out tight in those brush piles for for the winter they, they'll start 
you know, once we get about mid-October and start having some cooler nights, you know, you get that little taste of fall in the air. That's when the, the bait fish are going to move up shallow. The, the crappie and the bass are going to move up shallow, too. Um, you know, and, and they'll feed up real good through October, mid-November, and then they'll get back out there deep uh, just to hold out through that December and January, and then they'll be ready to kick that spring off about, about the end of January around here. So what do you do – for your clients to at this time of year, you know, how are you, how are you setting their expectations for, for waiting on the transition? What can a guy expect if he comes fishing with you? You know, right now, uh, in August and even, you know, with September coming, the, the first of the month in September, it's still going to be tough. You know, the water temperature hadn't cooled down a lot. You can catch 15 to 20 out there, you know, by the time it gets, too hot and then you got to get off the water but as it starts cooling down we really catch some good springers i mean we're catching limits out there in october and uh in november as well too and and, and even in november there's a few creeks here we can kind of transition over instead of just sitting over the top of them in vertical you know either either bumping them in on them or putting uh you know the soft plastics uh, down there you can you can swap over to some of the long line trolling you know some of these creeks the, they have a lot of bait in there, and the fish are just really, really trying to feed, and they're aggressive in there. So that's that's kind of what we look for. Is uh, uh, don't get me wrong, that that bumping bottom and, and standing over the top of them is fun too. But man, when you get out there and you're long lining and you're moving in that boat and pulling, and you got about six rods go down, and it, it's I call it the, I hate the fire drill, just hit, let's get it. You know, when you got people running around the boat and grabbing rods, man, that's that's when it's fun. That's fun, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, good stuff, man. Well, uh, if somebody does want to, to, to come go fishing with you now or, or, or even later on when things cool off, you know, what's the best way for them to contact you? The, the best way, you know, they can, I, I prefer to talk to people on the phone. You know, a lot of these guys, they want to email and text this and that. Hey, man, I like to talk. I want to talk to you. So you can call me at 256 4145 and you can also look up uh, Lee Pitts on Facebook and Instagram. Well, man, that's one reason we love having you on here, Lee. You don't mind talking and you've got a wealth of information and knowledge and and uh, I know I, I put you on the spot last minute here today and uh, so I appreciate you jumping on, brother. Hey, man, I, I like to talk fishing anytime. It doesn't matter. I like to do it. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Well, y'all, if you want to go catch some crappie and learn how to do this, I mean, this this guy's the master and Give him a call and and book a trip with him. He'd love to he'd love to take you and and, and teach you and teach you how to catch these crappie. And and we all know that's about the best eat we got here in the state. So uh, give Lee a call, reach out to him. And uh, Lee, man, we appreciate it. And uh, like I said, appreciate you jumping on last minute. Look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. Hey guys, always good to talk to you. Right. Have a good day. Stay safe, man. Take care. All right, man, another great show, Stephen. Man, we got uh, got some crappie information, got some Smith Lake information, and like you said, this is uh, kind of a show about the good, bad, and the ugly, and it sounds like the crappie are pretty ugly <laughs> right now, and Smith Lake's kind of ugly right now. So, But the Delta is picking up, and we all know the frog bites oh, picking yeah. up because yeah. of last week's show. Absolutely, and that's, again, we say this a lot, but just the beauty, the beauty of Alabama, man, and why there's something amazing about your home lake and your comfort level, but man, hook your trailer up and it, I, I promise you, you don't have to drive far to be in a new lake, a new experience. 
and might just find your new favorite fishing hole. So uh, I love Alabama. I love its fisheries and, and it's so diverse and you never know uh, what's going on around the state. And that's why I love we do this show, man, to try to help tell people what's going on around the great state of Alabama. Well, and I, and I, and, and you know what's fixing to go on with me? I'm fixing to go home and try to fix some sheetrock. Yeah, good luck, buddy. And I ain't got a call yet from anybody. So, well, mm. of course, the show's got to go be posted first, but uh, I'm still looking for some sheetrock help from the, the flooding I had in, uh, in my house. But uh, we're fixing to go home and try to tackle that, watch a few YouTube videos, try to figure out how to do it, man. Uh, <laughs> good luck, man. Good luck. Yeah, no kidding. That? Uh, All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap for the week. And uh, y'all go subscribe and rate and drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. And if you'd like us to email you the podcast, you know we will. Just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash AFFR, and we'll send you the new show each and every week. So thanks a lot, Stephen, for being here and uh, being on the show today. And, And, man, thanks to all our guests and all our sponsors. And that is a wrap. We'll talk to y'all next week. Awesome, man. We'll see you. See you. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and and give Norman a call. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.